Welcome to episode 92 of the Thunder Underground podcast. My name's Trent. As always, I'm joined by Jason. Hello, hello. Hey, we're at episode 92. We're inching closer to triple digits. We're getting closer. Yeah. That's that's all right. Yeah, we're getting there, people, and we appreciate you keep tuning in. That's right. If you're a new listener, thank you for that as well. And you might be a new listener if you're a friend or fan of Eric Kluber, because that's our guest this week. And it's a good one. Yes. We've got a pretty lengthy talk with him, talking about all the, the music stuff he's got going on and some of his history as well. We're going to get into that here in a bit and also play some music, some of his music. But before we get into that, we had a couple other things we want to talk about. Okay. First being, like just a little bit today before we started recording this, we found out something. Yeah. Which is even the dogs has decided to split up. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a uh, great Tulsa band, Tulsa based. Uh, you know, we've had them on the podcast. We've played their music. Uh, and uh, yeah, just hit, I don't know. Hour, hour and a half ago that they uh they're gonna they're gonna hang it up I guess yeah and that's pretty sad yeah they've been around quite a while ten years I think yeah and you know they've done tons of shows festivals Rocklahoma some other festivals and um I know they've done stuff I think with Impact events you know we've had Jamie on yeah and they've we saw them open for Active Defiance they're just such a great live band so it's a shame because you know there's there's a lot of great live bands, but there's something about this band that kind of set them apart from other ones that, you know, we've talked about with a couple other bands like Severmind or something around here where you feel like you're watching a big production. Exactly. You feel like you're watching something that should be in an arena in Greece or something. You know, <laughs> like it's that big of a, a deal. And, you know, I don't say that just to blow smoke up someone's ass. I say that because it's... That's right. I'm not going to say it if I don't believe it on here. Well, uh, you know, and it's kind of like you mentioned, we saw them open for Act of Defiance and... You know they were uh, they were cool enough to have us along with them as their special guests. You know that show. That's right. Uh, and um, I really, I was really impressed. I mean, it was, I think, and I said this on that episode was you were just kind of resonating what you just said. You were really seeing something that was just more than an opening band. Uh, they were they had stage presence. They sounded great. Uh, they're talented. I mean, uh, Eddie, the vocalist, makes it look so easy. Uh, I was really impressed and uh, sad to see him go, but these things happen and, you know, families and, you know, living in different places and all this kind of stuff, you know, it, you know, takes precedence and that's understandable. So, you know, maybe we'll see one or more of these guys do something else in the future. Yeah. Yeah, they're in their thing where they're talking about breaking up they said it was amicable it's just like you said of you know as you get older yeah. stuff happens you know it gets harder to that's right to keep this together if you're not in you know <clears throat> active all the time you know and yeah so it's of course family and personal lives always take precedence so you know good for them to making a decision that's probably best for all of them and i think the one of the big reasons why they're so good is that you know it's the same core guys there's been a you know, I know the drummers changed. There's been a couple changes throughout, but you know, they've had that same core, and their music's just so powerful. And you know, we like you said, we played it twice. You can find lyric videos and stuff on YouTube, yeah. and it's just if you like Killswitch Engage and Soil Work, they're just kind of somewhere between there. You know, and it's yeah, and if you know if, if the production is just out of its world, yeah, I mean, it's so fun to listen to. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely go do that. They said they've got another EP coming even after this breakup, and they're also going to do two final shows. I don't know if they're, I would assume, in Oklahoma 
since that's where they're based, but you never yeah. know. Yeah. So we'll obviously we'll obviously bring that up when it comes to happening. But in the meantime, what did happen this past week was Clutch. Yes. And Zach Sabbath. Yeah. Tell us about it. Well, first off, I'm just going to give you a little crap. Okay. I, I thought I wasn't going to, but then <laughs> I changed my mind again because it's Go Zach Sabbath. I know. I said if it was Clutch and just <clears throat> anyone else, I wouldn't have gave you crap because, you know, we've seen them enough times and we'll see them more. Yeah. But who knows when the chances to see Zach Sabbath will be there. I know, man. I was just, I was partied out, road tripped out. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know, I so, guess. So, yeah, you uh, got an excuse. If it was in Tulsa, you would have had no excuse. Oh, yeah. It was in Tulsa. I would have went for sure. It was just yeah. one of those kind of game time decisions. I decided, I don't know, man. I'm yeah. wore out. So, uh, but hey, you know, I deserve a little bit of ribbon. Yeah. But anyways, just tell us how yeah. it was, especially Zach Sabbath. Yeah. We had those two bands and King also is yeah. up, opening this tour. But King was not there. Got there that night, and there was a, you know, signs posted around that said, unfortunately, due to family reasons or something, they had to leave. And yeah. They missed that, and I think one or two other shows, and they're back on the tour now, so it's all good. So that was kind of a bummer, but, you know, we had seen him a while back. We're going to see him here again in a couple of weeks in town, so it wasn't a big loss for me personally. But that new album's fantastic, so it I can't is. wait to see him again playing this new stuff, you know. Yeah, I listened to it like twice yesterday. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. So definitely check out King's Breathe in the Water because that thing yeah. is, that's it, like a top five album of the it, year. It's going to be on my list. Yeah. For goddamn sure. Five, top five or ten for sure. You know. Well, Zach Sabbath kicked it off and from all the, I'd looked at all the set lists leading up to that because I'm a geek like that. Mm-hmm. And he started a little earlier than normal and played an extra song, I guess, since King wasn't there. Okay. And he played almost an hour. It's like 55, 57 minutes. It's awesome. And played, you know, I can just name it off because it's Sabbath. You know, it's yeah. easy to remember. He played Snowblind, Children of the Grave, um, Into the Void, War Pigs, um, NIB, and, okay, I couldn't name it off. I'm Didn't you say he played Supernaut? Yeah, Supernaut. That yeah. was the extra song he had thrown in from the night before. Okay. And then I'm forgetting one other thing because there were seven songs. Yeah. But in, you know, typical Zach fashion, that's seven songs in almost an hour. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that means there's lots of jamming. Yeah. Lots of jamming (laughs) and Zach solos thrown in. And he did his thing during the, during War Pigs was probably the longest one. Oh, yeah. Because already it's already a long song anyway. Exactly. He added his touches to it and he went out into the crowd, you know, with the like 70 foot long cable that he had the, (laughs) his stage guys holding up for him on the way out there and went out to near the soundboard and played a few minutes solo out there and yeah. went back and, you know, he did it with like 50 cell phones right in his face and oh yeah, you doesn't know seem that, to care, yeah. you know, he <laughs> does it every night. He did it when we saw the, his, you know, his acoustic solo tour. Mm-hmm. So the same style of thing. That's but, his trademark, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, my, my like he uh, does it during the Jimmy Hendrix yeah, he does it during the, yeah I, I know people have seen him do it during the Hendrix thing so yeah but he doesn't always do it during Black Label so maybe it's just when he's not doing that when he's doing yeah. the the non-common stuff yeah Black Label might get a little rowdy that's true that's not <laughs> easy yeah that's a good point but I mean he he already has that voice that is reminiscent of Ozzy's yeah so it Fits very well. We've heard him do Fairies Wear Boots was the other song. Oh, nice. Well, that's a good one, too. Because that popped in my head because I was going to say we've heard him do Fairies Wear Boots yeah. before because he recorded a version of that like 20 years ago. Yeah. 
and he's just he's got the vocals that fit perfectly into that and obviously he knows the sabbath riffs inside and out oh yeah and yeah so yeah fairies wear boots was probably the highlight to me i think besides super not because i wasn't really expecting super not mm-hmm. that's always been one of my favorite songs yeah <laughs> but really that Snowblind and children of the grave are like probably my top five so i got a good chunk of those and then you know that riff and into the void is like yeah vintage heavy metal yeah it is so you, you <laughs> kind of get everything you need for heavy metal in one less than an hour from zach wilde and blasco you know so it was great yeah well you know and i like what you said there zach will just give you everything you need <laughs> yeah so yeah if you have the opportunity to see this do it i mean he's playing a couple festivals as well mm-hmm. prior to this tour that's really all he had done was zach sabbath so i don't know if this is yeah. something he's gonna do off and on now throughout the future or if this is just a one-off thing because they got the tour with clutch or what yeah we'll see yeah how's clutch well clutch is i think anytime someone reviews clutch or talks about clutch it should be the same thing just here's the songs they played different from the night before yeah but you know how the show was it was like it was a rock and roll machine yeah yeah it's always impeccable yeah you think of like yeah ACDC from the 70s, you know? Yeah. It's like just, if someone said, I don't know shit about rock and roll. I want to listen to some something that defines rock and roll, what you listen to. You'd probably say Highway to Hell, and then I might say, go get a Clutch album. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it's not, it's not rock, it's not metal, it's just right there between it all. Like, everybody loves it if they love, you know, death metal, or if they love yeah. glam metal. People still love Clutch, because they... Just fit that spot in the middle. Exactly. They they span so many genres, just like you said. And it's like, I don't mean this in a bad way. I, I never would. There's nothing bad you could ever say about Clutch. But it's just, you know what you're going to get. If it's broke, don't fix it. Yeah. They fucking deliver. And, you know, live is where they thrive. I don't mean to rhyme right there, but I did. <laughs> and, I mean, it's just... uh they're a thing under their own, and like you said, they're a machine, and it's uh, never, it's kind of funny, it's, you know, it never varies, but you can never get enough of seeing them live, ever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, which is cool, because if you know what you're going to get, but you still want to go every time. Exactly, and you know they'll be in Tulsa. Yeah. You know that'll happen. Yeah, they've always been... You know, big about playing Tulsa and Oklahoma yeah. City, you know, because they always get good crowds and there's yeah. a good crowd there that night. And, you know, a lot, there's a lot to be said about four guys playing together for 25 years as well. That's right. It's the same four original guys that started together in like 90 or whenever they started. Exactly. And, you know, I mean, you can't, yeah, like I said, you can't say enough about something like that because that yeah. just over time obviously builds that live yeah, chemistry, it, I guess it, is the word. And it's great to see how they've evolved. I mean, we saw them on one of their first tours, you know, yeah, when they were just babies. Yeah. And now we see them to now, and it's it's just such a, you know, you feel, you feel invested. You feel part of it. It's just a great deal. And they're like, if you're not, haven't followed them a lot or know about their live shows, it's like every single one is different. Yes. You see 10 shows in a row, you're going to see 10 different completely songs. different shows. Yeah. You might see a core of like the new album boys yeah. on that tour, but you're gonna the the other ten songs are gonna be you know ne- you just never mix. know yeah yeah and you know in the same sense that like Metallica does that decent Black Crows program yeah. it's just a a cool thing when bands 
you know, can just play anything at the drop of a hat. Yeah, and, and that's how it should be, really. Yeah, and I want to throw out a friend of mine that I knew through Tesla, talked a lot throughout the years, and I've seen him at some shows, you know, here and there over the years, was at this show, and he's from Alaska. Wow. And he's such a huge fan of Clutch that he flew in to Oklahoma City a week before and then drove to the shows leading up to that one, which wow. were, I think it was Raleigh, North Carolina, okay. Memphis, and Little Rock, and maybe one other one. Wow. You know, and then he stopped and saw like Eric Johnson and a couple other shows in between there as well. That's badass. <laughs> Just made a trip out of it. Yeah, definitely. He, he does that with bands he loves because they don't, most of them don't come to Alaska. Yeah. But anyway, he mentioned that one of the shows before that, that he had saw, they started playing, I can't remember the song, but they started playing a song they hadn't played in a while and played it for about 45 seconds or a minute. And then just one of them said cut because it just wasn't going right. Yeah. So they said, well, let's just cut that. And it started playing something else, you know, and that's. Hey, that's live, that's, man. Yeah, that's live, and that's yeah. cool that they're willing to just, hey, fuck it, let's throw this in. Yeah. Like, well, this isn't working. Screw it. Let's do something else. And yeah, people. Just throw it out there, yeah. You know, people won't care because everybody at a Clutch show loves Clutch. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what you, what they do. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we'll see them again soon enough. And that's, uh, I'm drawing a blank, Psychic Warfare. Yes. This album is, it was, on our, it was on our list last year for mm-hmm. Best Of, if you want to go check that out. The podcast from the end of 2015. That's just a great, no all killer, no filler, straight through. It's how we like it. Yeah, and they played six or seven of those songs. Yeah. Have we rambled enough about other stuff? We should talk about Eric Kluver. Yes. Well, let's before we do that, yeah, let's, let's play the song. Yeah, let's get into the song, yeah. Yeah. This song is called Iron Vessel, and it's by Ironot. So check this out. <laughs> Life 
Vessel from Ironot. It's a brand new track. They've also got two other new tracks, Fire Eater and what was the other one? My Little Girl, which yes. I remember you said you were a big fan yeah, of that that's one. that's a good one too. Yeah, all three of these songs are great. They had an EP that came out in 2015 with five or six songs and that thing's great. This is just, uh, you know, ties into kind of, we're talking about Clutch and King, you know, it falls yeah. into that vein and yeah. a little bit heavier in those two, but you know that if you like that stuff, I think you would like Ironot for sure. Yeah, that's definitely that's a good that's a good group to put them into, and uh, you know, uh, there's just one of two things Eric Kluber's got going on. He's got Void Vader, and he's got Iron Hot, and uh, this was a pretty good conversation. It was uh, cool to talk to him. Yeah, yeah, I like I love that this song has like this that real kind of Viking metal stomp yeah, yeah. throughout the verses and stuff, but it's kind of packaged into the more stoner metal kind of vibe. Yeah, so it's kind of a mix of the two things and. You know, it's just right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah, I like how the there's like the solo, but then the little pre-solo where it's kind of like the twin guitars. And, I mean, it's just, uh, th- that's what stood out to me. And then after that, you know, there's the, the bass drum kick and kind of the chant part. Yeah. That was really cool. I mean, I just, it's a it's a killer song. Yeah, and that's uh, Iron Knot Music on Facebook is where you can find them. I know they're on Reverb Nation. You can check these songs out. Um band camp i think yeah so yeah definitely do that and eric plays bass and sings for iron knot yes in void vader he's the one of the two guitarists okay and yes you know that's a little bit different we played one of their songs just a few episodes ago yes i think it was the episode of mark kendall or great white i think so so go check that out they've got a great new song out as well and we talk about all that here in a minute and he's also he was part of omachita we played one of their songs like earlier this year and He's been in White Wizard, and he was in Gypsy Hawk. Yes. And the cool thing about the thing is I just listed five bands, and they're all a little bit different than each other. Exactly. Like, no one's really the exact kind of thing. You know, where a lot of times if you hear guys in five bands, they're all one genre of metal yeah. or something, you know? Yeah. So that's cool that this guy's got a lot of diverse yeah. diversity in him, you know, and he wants to get out there and do all this different stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's uh just kind of you know, digging for bands, you know, doing this podcast is kind of how we came across him. And, uh, so just like you said, everything he's got his hand in is quality, heavy stuff. And, uh, so it was, uh, it was good to finally talk to him. Yeah. Gypsy Hawk, go check them out if you never have. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. 
You'll dig it. I promise. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just get into this, right? Here's Eric Kluber of Iron Knot and Void Vader. This time of come singles out from Void Vader. Sounds great. Got the video out. So what are the plans here? Is there an EP coming shortly? It's definitely an EP. It's just about mixed. I mean, it is mixed um, and mastered, basically. There might be a few more tweaks. I think we're waiting on artwork. We're using an artist named Ryan Bartlett, and both Ironaut and Void Vader have used him for projects. So I think that's what we're waiting for. And we hope to have it out towards the end of the year, beginning of the new year. Okay. So it'll be a full, it'll be a full five song EP. And that's our first step where we've already got four songs for the next EP. Right now we're just writing at our rehearsal studio up in North Hollywood. Cool. Well, is it, any plans to uh, tour with that and all that kind of good stuff? We'd love to. Yeah. Absolutely love to. I'd love to just get a show outside of Los Angeles. You know, we'll see if, if anyone's interested. Meaning, yeah, I'd, I'd love to do it. I've done it before, booking DIY tours. We'd have to um, get a van together and, 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 and book the shows and get the funding together. So I really hope that we do do that. Yeah, both bands need to play. Personally, I think we'd keep it. It would not be a national tour. It would be West Coast it would be um, yeah, maybe up and down the West Coast or maybe to maybe to Texas and back would be the, the biggest things. I mean, I'd like to start small and do San Diego. Orange County is right around the corner. Uh, the Bay Area. Those, those are great places just to start. Cool, cool. Well, talk about how the formation of Void Vader came about with meeting Lucas and German and putting this whole thing together. <laughs> Yeah, the drummer's name is Herman, but spelt German. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're both from Uruguay, and, and that's the enunciation of it. Well, after Gypsy Hawk uh, broke up, I had to find new bands and new projects. And I was playing around uh, just finding new people to jam with. I met Pat and jammed with him a few times. That had yet to really even be off the ground. And so Gypsy Hawk broke up in the summer, and I'd say by no, late November or, or early December, a friend of mine just called me up and said, hey, come out and jam. I know that you uh, – I hear you can play guitar okay. So it was real casual like that, and I almost didn't make it. There was no stipulation about what the band is or if it was even a band. It was really just a jam, and I don't like – Honestly, I don't like just to jam. I find it incredibly boring. But I was sitting at my house watching Netflix, and I was like, get off your ass and go go show up. Go play some guitar. And so I met, I met Lucas then. At the time, it was a completely different rhythm section. It was a different bass player and a different drummer. And we started a band. You know, It, it, just, it was fun, and it, it uh, clicked very naturally. So I just decided to ride it out. And then about six months later... Um, there was a lineup change, 
And we we got Herman, which was the drummer that Lucas came to the United States with from Uruguay. And then we found Ian Shea a couple months after that, maybe three months after that. So that's how I found it. It was how uh, it started. And um, it was real casual and natural. It was sort of, I guess, something to do just to stay in the mix, stay playing music, stay playing, um, writing and recording with, with other musicians. I, I feel it's really important. Like if a band and a project dissolves and you kind of, I feel like if you don't get back into if you don't get back into the groove immediately, it's really easy to fall out of the loop and fall out of kind of the life of being a musician. Yeah. Have you ever had any gaps like that where you, where you kind of stopped for a while and it was rusty to get back in and things like that? No, I never have. That's I've awesome. always been in a band since yeah. I was, since I was like, fuck like 14, 15, my mom driving me to friends' houses just to jam, just to play Metallica and Iron Maiden songs and try to write one of our own. That was always the big the big goal of trying to figure out how do they write these songs. I've never not been in, in a band or a project or jamming. Was the Void Vader sound kind of something that Lucas was already doing, or is this something that you two together kind of developed when you played? Or When I first started jamming with Lucas, um, like I said, we had a different rhythm section. And it started off completely different. It was very 90s sounding to me. Bands like Alice in Chains. Um, I'm trying to think another band that could not Pearl Jam, not maybe a little bit of Soundgarden, but definitely a lot of Alice in Chains. And, you know, Lucas is an amazing top-notch one percenter guitar player. He could be in any band, Ozzy Osbourne, Megadeth, you name it. And um, him and I... You know, over time, we just like I kind of I joined the band or just started jamming with them very casually and didn't have too much input, but then just kind of started started giving input. And, you know, he really wanted to use more of his capabilities. You know, he's got he's really into hard rock, heavy metal, and he wanted to go more that path and he wanted to play a little bit more technical. I don't feel that Void Vader is a technical band per se, but compared to what we were doing, which was very mid-tempo, very relaxed, Void, I think I think Lucas wanted to go in a much more high-gain direction, and he wanted to bring in Herman, which again is an A-list player that could be in fucking Dream Theater if he wanted to be, or you know he he has that talent level, and he wanted to utilize those skills. So developed from a, a more of a 90s feel, very mid-tempo, sort of radio rock, into a, more of a of the high-energy sound that it has now. So, yeah, that's that's how it developed. Well, <clears throat> talking about Iron Eye, I mean, I assume this is your, your baby, basically. Was this something you developed from the ground up? <laughs> no. <clears throat> yes, Yes and no. You know, I went to Craigslist looking for musicians, and guitar player Pat McHugh had an ad out, and he in, he listed some some cool influences other than the standard because you always hear things like Black Sabbath. That's a very standard band, and it gives a a general indication of what a band or a musician might be going towards. But he listed, I believe, High on Fire. I believe he listed The Sword, and I was like, very cool. That's that's rare that people would list them as influences. He also had killer demos that he had done himself. 
he had hired a drummer who what I coincidentally had jammed with in White Wizard, Giovanni Durst. So Giovanni came in and did the drums for hire. So Pat had maybe even as many as 12 instrumental ideas, and I listened to them, and I liked them. I liked the, the riff writing. It was unique. It was heavy. I felt the stoner vibe. I felt a metal vibe. I liked that the riffs were not generic stock riffs. So I talked to him, and he was looking for a bass player. So I went out to jam with him because I had a bass player. Uh, excuse me. I have a bass, and I played bass with Scattered Hamlet. You know those guys, right? Yes, oh, yeah. definitely. Fucking killer guides. Yeah. I did a, one tour with them as a bass player. Had a, had a blast. Um, there was talk of me. I almost um, – I learned a bunch of Holy Grail songs because at one point they were looking to replace one of their bass players. There was like a slew of tours where it seemed like they replaced a bass player every tour. <laughs> and um, that almost happened. I mean, I, I think they wanted me to do it. And their their guitar player at the time, James LaRue, um, announced that he was quitting. And that threw the whole camp in chaos. So like the last thing they wanted to deal with was replacing a bass player, you know. So, they, so I've had a bass player and I've used a, a bass laying around and – I decided, you know what? Let's just see what happens. It was really just, just let's just try it out. So I learned his songs on bass, and I went out and jammed with him. And at the time, he was playing with a different drummer that I didn't like. I wasn't impressed with the drummer, and I and I didn't feel that the song sounded as good as the demos. So I politely declined jamming, but we stayed in touch. And uh, Pat let me know that he, you know he was looking for a singer, and I think he'd found some new drummers. I just wanted to know if I'd like to jam some more. So it was right around the time I had just started casually jamming with Void Vader, and I and I knew that Pat, you know, I liked his riffs, and and I decided to give another shot. And I reached out to Ivan Nager, who's the drummer of Iron Eye, and he's from Detroit. He had come out to a Gypsy Hawk show out in 2013. So at that point, that was about a year ago. And introduced himself. He's from Detroit, which where I'm from, and we both had worked at the same music company, but at different locations. So we had this this small collective, you know, like link or bond. And I was like, you know what, man? I knew he was into this same exact bands that both Pat and I were into, including Iron Fire, including The Sword. And I was like, check out these demos. What do you think? Do you like this? He's like, yeah, I like this. I'm like, well, learn at the time. I think there was an instrumental version of Atomic Voyage, and and I think what's called the Dead Look in My Eyes. Now, at the time, I think it was called Excalibur. I was like, learn these. Let's let's get together and and see what happens. So he came out and he nailed those two songs as a professional should, and we just started playing together. And Pat and I had been together maybe two or three times, and. You know, started um, solid foundation for what would become Acid Wash and Yellow King, and we started uh, writing instrumentals, and and that's how Ironot came together. So I'd say it's and you know Pat had the name Ironot, so I'd say it was Pat's baby that we kind of got together, and he'd been trying to make this band happen for like four four years or so, just just endless auditions of flaky musicians, which is the most frustrating thing in the world, man. And with the three of us, we had a solid lineup. We started doing it instrumentally. We started playing out instrumentally. We were looking for a singer for like six months. 
and and uh, I thought that maybe playing out would help us find a singer, but no dice. You know, we auditioned a couple guys. There's a couple dudes that sort of had the the sat, you know, the Aussie voice, but they ended up being flaky. And I was like, you know what? I've done backup vocals for for my last few bands since Overloaded. I don't know if you ever heard of a band I was in in Detroit called Overloaded, but it was a great band. Just did backups, and uh, I toyed around with the idea, jamming with a, a project between Gypsy Hawk after that, you know, uh, imploded or broke up, and then jamming with these guys, and that was with Andrew Packer and Ian Brown of Gypsy Hawk. Anyway, I did some like singing, sort of for fun, sort of to challenge myself. But anyway, I was like, maybe it's time for me to give to uh, to step up to the plate. I was like, let me get a give it a shot, and uh, worked with some lyrics and started singing and. And it fucking sounded good, so we, we that's how we had became a three piece, you know. I was gonna switch over to guitar, and enjoyed playing bass, and it sounded heavy and it was simple. And I know that there's a lot of problems with being in two guitar bands. All my bands have been in two guitar bands. Just um, just with like getting the the mix right on stage sometimes can be a headache. So it's a it's beautiful to have a simplistic three piece. So that's the story of Iron Eye and our our beginnings. <laughs> well. Uh... You know, uh, did you adapt pretty good to to singing, or did you have any trouble, or did it just kind of come naturally? Uh, lead vocals, you know. Yeah, it was um, a bit intimidating. Although I didn't really care because if it didn't work out, it didn't work out. Or if we found someone better, I had no problem. But it it just seemed like after we had searched for six months and like found one guy that was good, but he was in a cover band that paid more and. He couldn't make it out to practice and no ill will, but it just wasn't going to work out. We were very serious, you know, always made it to rehearsal and did our homework at home. It was a challenge that I thought it was time. And quite honestly, I should have done this and I've known this for years. I should have been doing this years ago, years, years ago. It's almost procrastination, laziness, um, what's it called? Insecurity, like not being confident in yourself, perhaps. But I'd say laziness and procrastination more. I, I think every musician, I encourage them more than anything to do this, to to sing, to, to sing. It's such a valuable skill, even if you're not good. I'm not good. And who cares? It sounds great. I mean, I what I do for this band, I think, works. And that's, you know, maybe that's the metal gods coming in and the timing was fi- finally right. Like, I obviously could never sing for White Wizard. <laughs> I could have never sang for Overloaded. Tell you that right now, man. No way. For the style of music that we do, and maybe even being in Gypsy Hawk, where, you know, I kind of realized that, you know, gave me some some confidence. Like, in in touring around, and there's so many bands and a specific style of music, you do not have to be Bruce Dickinson. You don't have to be Sebastian Bach. You can have a gruff voice and just have confidence behind it. And if you can just hit notes within one octave, man – then that's good enough. It really is. It really is. And I'm not trying to say that to belittle it. Like you just kind of work with the tools you have. Fucking look at Sepultura. I mean, killer. Yeah, what a killer. I mean, his yeah. voice. I wouldn't want to hear Bruce Dickinson sing for that band. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was a challenge and I don't know. I just did it, man. I just did it. And I think it, it worked out well. If anything, I think, I learned in the beginning to kind of simplify the lyrics, meaning I wrote way, way, too, way too many words. Like, 
I was t- trying to tell stories. I was having fun, but you know, there's times sometimes when first bridge is second is different than the second bridge, and then you mix the lyrics up. I've literally many times sang the second bridge where the first bridge is supposed to be and just had to switch them. <laughs> but you realize, man, dude, that's just not necessary. You're making it harder on yourself. And for people to sing along, in my opinion, which, you know, people want want to sing along. Yeah. So I, I, that's my best answer for that. Cool, cool. <laughs> well, we've listened to these three new songs you sent over that you haven't released yet. They sound great. Are these coming out like on an EP or? I'll tell you what, man. They're actually out now ishness meaning on our big cartel store we're selling a bundle which we're going to meaning it's a shirt and the new songs digitally the debut ep on cd stickers and i think that's it maybe a guitar pick or something but yeah i think tomorrow i'm going to upload them to Bandcamp, and then we're going to get them on cd baby so the cool thing about cd baby is it'll get it out to all the popular digital distribution sites including itunes but it's out now. Okay. Uh, and I guess more officially tomorrow at Bandcamp. If anyone knows the site, great site. You go there and you know you help support bands you like by buying it, the music digitally. But as far as a physical release, no, we don't have the money to do so. And I think we have really good product. There's a number of options. A, we might we might choose to release it physically in the future on our own. Mean it might mean a seven-inch single split with another band, or you know we could release it as a full album included with our EP. So we could do that on our own. What I'd like to do is have I'm hoping to spark interest from a record label and have them come in and have them market it, have them push it, have them release it physically as they see fit. So it's at this moment is completely DIY, and that remains to be seen. But I feel like you know what the music's out. It's done. It sounds great. There's no no need to keep this secret. Let's re- let's release it digitally. So, if you guys get a chance to play it at any point in this conversation or uh, this interview today, that you know that'd be great. And then if anyone likes it, pick it up on Bandcamp, download it, support the band, please. Yeah. Oh yeah. Definitely. We'll play it. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Yeah, these were produced by Paul Fig. Talk about how that came about and what that was like working with him. Are you guys familiar with a band, a couple bands, Fireball Ministry? Have you heard of them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I love them. Great. Yeah. Uh, Jim Rhoda is part of the story. And then the other other dude is Eli. Uh, are you familiar with, with the Holy Grail? Yes. Yep. Well, yeah. there you go. And Huntress. So, Huntress, yeah. He's an Huntress, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's pulling double duty. And last year, so we're talking 2015, and I got an email from a friend of mine, Pete, who plays in the band Harasser. And he somehow was sort of in charge of rounding up some local musicians to be a part of a music video for a guy named Nate Mandel, who plays bass in the Foo Fighters. And he was shooting a music video for one of his singles. And I, God, maybe it'll come to me. What the fuck is the name of it? Well, hopefully it'll come to me. If not, I'll let you guys know. Maybe you can put it in the the liner notes. But... Anyway, and he's like, what are you doing on St. Patrick's Day? And I was like, yeah, if nothing, you know, perhaps getting drunk. What's going on? He's like, I'm uh, recruiting some dudes. You want to be a, an extra on this music video? It might have 
paid a hundred dollars and I was like, fuck yeah, man. And we're going to do this music video. It's a really mellow song. And what the concept is, is this guy walks into a church and he, and, and then he looks, he turns all the priests into black metal musicians and we're going to rock out to the music of his song as a black metal band. And we're going to turn the nun into a hot satanic stripper and she's going to pour blood on her face. <laughs> and this, I'm like, this is great. Let's do this. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to spend St. Patrick's day. So we go down and it's, it's at a, you know, I guess I'll call it a soundstage warehouse in downtown Los Angeles. And, and they had, you know, a little bit of catering and there was a makeup girl and, Come to find out, one of the other musicians is Eli uh, Santana, and he was gonna he played bass, and my friend Pete was a singer. I did guitar, and uh, Pete's buddy played drums. So we were the band, and Nate Mandel was this, you know, twisted, deformed uh, goblin that came in and, and cursed the cursed the church. So that was pretty fucking cool, man. So um, the guy who produced it was Jim Rota. So how this ties into Paul Fig? Is at that same time, Ironot, you know, we had been together about three months, and we'd written a bunch of instrumental songs. And I was like, let's let's fucking demo this stuff. And I talked to Jim, and I knew that Jim was totally into recording. And I was looking for a studio, and I'm like, Jim, uh, do you know do you know a studio that you know would would be work within a budget and record one of my bands? We were looking to demo. He's like, Yeah, mine. Call my buddy Paul Fig. And to me, that's what I love about this town, Los Angeles. That's a huge connection and on so many levels just to kind of have a, 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 a coincidence, you know, a out of nowhere call to be an extra in a, in a, in a well-produced music video to, to be with some friends. And it's produced by Jim Rota and he suggests Paul Fig, who's an amazing producer if you look at his credits that – that go from Ghost and Alice in Chains and Stone Sour and uh, I think the Canadian hockey fucking anthem with the drummer of Rush, you know, which is hilarious right now. What the fuck is his name? Neil Peart. <laughs> you know, and Huntress's last record and and you know that's just huge. I mean, and, and he's gonna. So we talk to him and he comes out and he and he names a budget and we're like, absolutely, you know, like works within our budget. And to get that type, that type of stuff is what I love about Los Angeles. So, um, you know, so we started talking to him, and and then we made the decision of like, are we going to stay instrumental or sing? And then so I started stepped up to the plate and tried out the vocals, and I was like, you know what, we're going to spend the summer rewriting the songs for vocals, and you know, seeing if this works out. I've got to write the lyrics. I've got to make this happen. I've got to sing and play at the same time. So it was a big challenge because we were going to do either or, but we chose to to record an instrumental EP, and the result is what you have right there. That's how we met Paul Fig. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you mentioned you know getting into the lead singing, all that, playing bass, playing guitar. Like whenever you get on stage live with the different acts doing that kind of thing, do you prepare different, or I is it just natural, just whichever way you're going? It's it's natural. I, I've got to be honest. Um, I don't warm up for shows, and I haven't for a long time. And it's, you know, I suppose maybe it's because um, 
you know, I'm not playing super shred metal, <laughs> but I, I, I just, I, what I like to do is try to decompress and try to let, try to let the stresses of the day. If anything, that's what I believe is going to take you out of the zone. I try to get into some sort of performance zone, but, um, I really, most of my shows are always club shows. I don't take them too seriously, meaning I try not to freak out about them. That's how you screw up. Uh, I think when you overthink things on and anything in life, you always you always mess up. It's really not a big deal. This is what we do. This is what I've been doing for 20 years. There's no preparation. I don't do any vocal warm-ups, which, you know, fuck, I probably should. But I'll tell you right now, Lucas doesn't. Lucas has two to four times the voice I have and guitar playing ability. You know, both of us just kind of chill out, wait for, to get on stage, try not to get stressed. That's the worst was if you have a bunch of chores, if you have to worry about your friends or your girlfriend or uh, parking or what's going on, the bills of today, those type of thing, day-to-day things will ruin a show. So I like to at least give myself 30 minutes to just kind of sit down and drink a beer. I don't get hammered before shows. I quit doing that in like 2012. There's a long story about that. We can maybe get to it or not, but to answer your question, <laughs> I, I don't I don't um, get wasted before shows, but I definitely have a beer, and I prefer to have a drink, maybe even fucking two, but that's about it, and get up there. So there's there's really no preparation. It, it is a different monster. It took me a while to get used to, obviously, just gaining, just singing and playing at the same time. I've sort of done that on guitar, but not a, never as a lead vocalist. But uh, no prepara- no preparation. Knock on wood, man. I hope I'm not jinxing myself here. <laughs> I, I, just get, I just get up there and do it, whether I'm playing guitar, whether I'm playing bass and singing for I or not. Yeah. Are you still in Omachita? I No. Okay. I mean, that's a no, meaning they released some songs. That's a, a real long-distance uh, band. Um yeah, and it is. You got the you got the pronunciation right. Omachita. Yeah, absolutely. With Giovanni, you know, he had started the band with Will Will Walner, who used to be White Wizard with Giovanni, was like the original guitar player, and and he moved to Berlin with his his wife. I believe they're married, wife girlfriend, and you know, Giovanni wanted to shoot the video. I stepped filled in for the video, and then we recorded. Um, he recorded two new songs, and I lent a solo for that. And it, you know, he's living in Italy, and you know, it's it's. I got to be honest. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I haven't talked to him in a long time. So, like my my projects right now are um, Iron Knot and Void Vader. Nice, nice. And w- when you're uh, when you're writing, I mean, do you do you know? Well, this is for Void Vader, and this is for Iron Knot, or you know, or, or do you just kind of let it? let it happen or do you purposely try to create for each one separately? I let them happen. Yeah. And they're definitely what I, what I do love about it and, and how it's worked so far is each band is so different. I are not tapping into that stoner doom metal, aggressive metal side of things. And, 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 and Void Vader is much more of a, of a, of a high energy mainstream hard rock band, and you know the writing processes. 
Yeah, they're they're completely different. Sometimes I'll have ideas that'll that I know will be appropriate for one or the other. And in Void Vader, Lucas comes up with the beginnings of the songs, the main foundation. And then we run with it and we rehearse it live. And then I might add a part, we rearrange them, etc. And I or not, a lot of times I'll come in with a riff. Uh, a lot of times Pat has a million riffs. So it'll start with one of our ideas and, and grow organically from there. So a lot of the writing for both projects happens or my contributions to them, which is much more to Iron Ot, mm-hmm. uh, uh, are happen in the studio. I mean, the things I do homework on, um, I have demoed, like there was a recent Iron Ot song that I, I demoed like like 80% of it at home. And that was an idea that I actually wrote maybe two years ago um, that I was like, dude, that would be perfect for Iron Ot. Let's try it in Iron Ot's tuning. Let's present it to the guys. And they're like, fuck yeah. But most of the writing is organic in the studio. So um, with Void Vader having Lucas come in with a significant – a portion of it written or like at least a couple riffs yeah i hope that answers that (laughs) oh yeah and um and you you find a way to manage these pretty equally to where they both get you know your you know the same quality and attention you don't have a uh, hard time doing that um my only hard time is is having rehearsals every night of the week does get old yeah both bands practice at least two nights a week, um, sometimes more, but but two nights a week consistently. Gigs on top of that, um, you know, homework at home on top of that. Meaning, if I have to write a guitar solo, if I have to write lyrics, if uh, booking Facebook, social media things, the, that's the struggle. Is it is overwhelming, but I think it's worth it. I would have dropped one of the bands if I didn't. If one of the bands sucked. Um, I, I would have just let them go, but both of them are, are almost in an equal position in that both <coughs> both of them are working with top-notch producers. Iron Out with Paul Fig, Void Vader with 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 Ulrich Wilde. Yeah. Both bands practice two nights a week, and both bands gig, and both bands record. So I'm I'm balancing them like uh, so far so good. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, I also saw that you do guitar lessons. Do you do those in person or is that all like this kind of thing over Skype or something? Or I mean, I've done Skype and, and I'll do it if anybody really wants to do it. I don't think it's a really good interaction. Guitar lessons, the reason you pay money for guitar lessons is the one-on-one interaction that, that I don't think can be replicated over the internet. And it's like maybe I should shut up about that and just accept the cheap money. But um, <laughs> I, I teach out of Guitar Center Studio in Woodland Hills. Okay. And then I teach privately, completely separate out of my own apartment. I live in Hollywood, and it's it's about an hour apart. Oh, it's wow. an hour drive for me from, to Woodland Hills, so it's completely different. And I do guitar lessons. I, I um, have a YouTube channel that I'm – I'd love people to check it out. I think some, there's some great content on it. I do a mixture of things. I do guitar solo lessons where I'll perform the lesson and I'll break it down. So anyone, if anyone truly wants to learn them, I think 
they're a great explanation of what's going on. And I, you know, I've changed. There's some old lessons from when I was still in White Wizard, and there's some some newer lessons. So it's kind of neat to see the different attack and angle on them and the different equipment I've used. And I also just do scale exercises, which I think are really beneficial for for beginner or intermediate guitar players that want to learn scales, just like a boot camp, just like like just something to play along with and drill this in your head. But that's how I, that's my main source of revenue, absolutely. So youtube.com slash Eric Lessons, and I teach out of my apartment. That's the best deal for anyone, but you just kind of have to be around the area. Yeah, you know, it's Hollywood, California. I will do Skype lessons. I've done done them in the past, so hit me up if anyone's interested in that. You know, I, I charge, uh, I think, a very reasonable rate, forty dollars an hour, and yeah. you know, it's not cheap, but at the t- same time, um, if you ever hire a personal trainer. I, I think it's going to be at least that, you know, three or four times a month. So, yeah, I, and I do prefer, you know, I I love having students that are serious about it, not meaning they have to be freaks and, like, practice eight hours a day. The people that really want to learn and have a passion for it, and we have a great time. And, and I love seeing people get better. And a lot of people, the biggest challenge is learning how to apply the theory side of it. Anyone can read a book, but to actually internalize it and be able to navigate the entire guitar neck and improvise in any key and understand what's going on with the chords and what to play, that takes uh, that takes some serious time. It took me a long time to unravel that mystery, and I think I'm really good at that. So that's that's one of my specialties, man. Yeah. <laughs> was it all rock based or do you do any other styles or teach any other styles? I mean, I'd say rock is my specialty yeah. rock and mm-hmm. metal, but the theory is applicable in all, all right. units. And I, and I use a lot of, sometimes I use, um, I have kind of a blues cu- curriculum because I feel like if you can't hang with the blues and then you can't hang with anything. Yeah. yeah a lot important. of people skip that. Um, <laughs> I've actually been teaching some beginner jazz standard standards to some of my students to help them improvise in different keys. And so that's been a part of my curriculum as well. I'm pretty well-rounded, man. I went to the Atlanta Institute of Music. I went to – I took jazz and, and classical theory and performance at the Wayne State University in Detroit. So I do specialize in rock and metal as, as, with the delivery, but – Probably teach quite a bit more theory than than most rock metal guys because I feel like most rock metal guys, I guess, would concentrate perhaps on licks and speed, which is great. But I really like to get into the theory and being able to understand your instrument 100%. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty well-rounded. Well, I know you did a decent amount of touring when you are in White Wizard and Gypsy Hawk. Do yeah. you have any good... Road stories, any bad gigs, anything? Scattered Hamlet, too. I did, I did two two tours with Scattered Hamlet. I mean, I've I've got a, a see a million stories, and you know, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Absolutely, I lived that lifestyle a hundred percent, and I was, you know, I was hammered probably ninety percent of those nights. Probably me and my buddies, you know, 
drinking buddies uh, in the bands I was with and the bands we toured with. We had a lot of great times, man. And, um, like, um, I, don't, I don't really want to, yeah, I don't, I don't really want to um, get into Nikki, any Nikki Six stories like that. <laughs> I, yeah, I really don't. It's kind of cliche and passe. And if yeah. you weren't there, it's, it's, it's hard to, like, really um, appreciate or it. You know, I'd have to like write it down to, to present it right. Um, yeah. yeah, it was sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Just <laughs> it's all the cliches everyone's read, and I did live it with all the bands I was with. You know, I mean, and I still party. I still fucking party. You know, I've got a serious girlfriend, so um, that side of shit is 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 in my past. Nice, gotcha. You know what I mean? Yes, this is kind of weird um, talking or bragging or reminiscing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's some really cool shit that, you know, I guess like, you know, guy talk and whatnot. But I, I don't really feel comfortable talking about that stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, but touring was great. I loved it. I miss it so much. And it's I want to get back into it. I, that's why I, I, I like the biggest reason why I moved to Los Angeles was to be in a touring band. I was in a band called Overloaded, and that band was great. And we climbed to to the top of our scene in Detroit, but that band would not tour, and it got old, and everyone got really frustrated because that band in in the Midwest is actually a beautiful place. You have so many amazing cities within two to five hours of you. And I just wanted to be in a real touring band. And that's one of the main reasons why I auditioned for White Wizard because I loved the music and they were serious and they were they were touring. And same thing with Gypsy Hawk. And I'm so proud and um, like appreciative of that opportunity. I got did two national tours with Scattered Hamlet. And you bet your ass I want to do the same thing with both Void Vader and Iron Eye. And like right now, it's just not a reality. It's not a reality. I'm trying to get out there, and I want to get there again. And it's a lot of work. The work has to be done ourselves. At this point, we've built ourselves up to like like the recording and, and getting material out there, and trying to establish ourselves on a local level. And both bands definitely need to get the fuck out and play regionally, not just Los Angeles. And, and we all know that. But it's easier said than done. There's and. Um, I want to get. I want more than anything to get back there again. Yeah, those are the greatest times in my life, being on the road, and it changes your perspective on life because you just forget about the day to day. All you have to worry about is getting to the next town, unloading your gear, setting up, performing, kicking ass, loading your gear back, and partying. I mean, what fucking better life is there? Yeah. You know, <laughs> that was life every night, every night, and the only reason. We didn't party maybe one night is because like we were really hungover and sick, and we just needed a day off just to recuperate. I mean, we've all been there where you just can't like even think of drinking. It's like, <laughs> yeah. like man, I got it. But I'd say ninety ninety five percent of the nights we just we fucking went as hard as we could, man. Um, yeah, which which is um, which makes things I guess difficult. I mean, waking up every day with a just crushing hangover and and having to to get to the next town, which could be 12 hours away. We did it. We did it every day. Yeah. It was awesome. It was awesome. Well, we hope to see you out there soon though. I really hope so, man. I mean, and trust me, we're working on it. It's, I wish it was as easy as being like, 
hey, let's book a tour. Let's do it. Or even, hey, let's book a show in San Francisco. Make a yeah. phone call. Make, and it's not. It's not that easy. Um, I want to do it, and I'm working on it every day, man. Every day I'm trying to do it. Yeah, yeah absolutely, motherfuckers. You guys based in Oklahoma, is that right? Yes, right. sir. Tulsa. Tulsa. Yes. We, so let me think about it. Did When did I meet you then? Was that on the Gypsy Hawk show at that like really small kind of biker club with Valiant Thor? That had to be Downtown Thor? Lounge. Yeah, Downtown Lounge probably. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, great, man. Yeah, and then perhaps I met you on one of the Scattered Hamlet tours. I mean, yeah. Tulsa, I'm not sure. My, I, we didn't play that. Maybe we played it a few times. I definitely played it with the sword, and then I think Valiant Thor again. Fuck, man. I hope we make it through. I want to do it more again more than anything. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Have you heard uh, Low Country? No, I have not, and I've got to be honest. I'm not a big fan of acoustic guitar. It, yeah. um, I'll give it a shot. Uh, I've always been a big a sword fan. I still think Apocryphon was their best album. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's because I it, that was the tour I did with them. But I like everything from the songwriting approach. I love it. And then High Country was cool, like quite a bit more mellow. And then I'm sure I'll check out Low Country. But you know. I'm just being honest. I'm not into acoustic stuff, man. Like, you know, uh, Book of Shadows, Zach Wilde stuff. And I think I listened to it back in the day, but I like fucking heavy metal and rock and roll, dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell, yeah. <laughs> it, it translates well. It's cool to hear the songs that way, but, you know, high country is cooler just because that's what you think of with the sword, you know? Yeah, <laughs> man. And I love them live, too, because they're so heavy. Yeah. So heavy. Great band. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Okay. You got anything else? I think that wraps it up, man. We appreciate your time. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for reaching out and just fucking I, – I appreciate so much that you guys are interested in up-and-coming bands and bands that are a little bit maybe off the radar. Yeah. You know, not typical and <laughs> – and, and the scene and, and heavy metal music and rock and roll just just needs you guys guys like you so much. And so just keep doing what you're fucking doing. Thanks again. Yeah, yeah thank we you. appreciate it. Yeah, very welcome. There you go, Eric Kluber, bassist, singer of Iron Hot, guitarist of Void Vader. Many, he's got his hands in many other things as well. Great to have him on here. Thank you to Eric for taking the time to do that. And as always, thank you to you for listening. If this is your first time listening, go back and check out all our other stuff. Definitely. Yeah, we've got, hey, we talked about the sword in there. He's a big fan, just like us. We had on one of the guitarists from the sword, Kyle Shutt, way early on in our time here. That's right. We've had on Wino from The Obsessed. We've had on Kirk Winstein from Crowbar and Down. Yeah. So if you dig Eric Kluber, I think you'd dig those kind of guys. Definitely. We've also had on everyone from bands like Drowning Pool and Soil and Nonpoint. Um Act of Defiance, Megadeth, yeah, Great White, as we mentioned earlier, because we played Void Vader on that episode. Yeah, let's go back and check out Time Has Come. Trickster, we had Mark Torian from Bullet Boys, uh, Delacoma, Miss May I, Joey Allen from Warrant. Yes, and like we were talking about, even the dogs earlier, we've had Eddie Green on. That was episode fifty-three. Yeah, go look that one up. Yep, some other great stuff from our area. Besides even the dogs, we've had on guys from Screamer Red Mutiny and Driver, Blackwater Rebellion, um, Machine in the Mountain, Severmind, yeah. Severmind Rocket, Rocket Science. Yep. 
All kinds of stuff. And we've got a lot of stuff coming too. That's right. Yeah. Actually, the next episode, I believe, will be two of the members of Guns Four Roses. Okay. Which is uh, obviously a Guns N' Roses tribute band. Yeah. And we had on the guy that does Duff and the guy that does Slash. Yeah. And we saw them live. They do an excellent job. They did a real good job, and it's really cool to. That's something different for us, you know, to get yeah. that kind of that kind of angle, that kind of take. So this is yeah. a good one coming up. Yeah, because we talk about how they got into it and what goes on with it, and then of course me being a Guns N' Roses fanboy, doing some Guns N' Roses questions because obviously they're fans. Oh yeah, they have. That's to what be. they do. Oh yeah, and uh, you know they're not just. I mentioned this last episode. They're not a random little tribute band. They just played Columbia this past weekend. Yeah. So they're out there playing the world, and yeah, they're based out of Dallas. So yeah, they're doing it right. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. All this stuff is at SoundCloud.com/backslash/thunderdashunderground. We're on our website is thethunderunderground.com. We've got reviews of some independent stuff. I believe there's even the dogs we talked about earlier up there. Yeah. If you dig back, we've got some reviews on some. Other stuff like Blackstone Cherry and some other national acts. And then we've got a bunch of uh, things we call Lost Classics. We haven't brought that up in a while. I know. Go check those out. Yeah, that, it's on Instagram, hashtag yeah. Lost Classic. Yeah, I need to do another one of those. Yeah, maybe in this calendar week. Get on our yep. Instagram. It's at The Thunder Underground. We've got Instagram. Hey, you can look through it in like 30 seconds. So yeah, exactly. I'm not asking you to do something <laughs> hard, people. Just dig through it or type in hashtag Lost Classic. Most of it will be us. There will be some other people in there as well, but whatever. Yeah, those other people are just trying to piggyback on our fucking shit. Yeah. And while you're on Instagram, hashtag Metal Chick Saturday. That's that's a hashtag that I – actually, I think you invented it. I I, did? I I can't remember. I posted some chick like a year ago, and then you hashtagged it, and that's our thing now. I'll take credit for it. So dig through that, and I think you'll like what you see. Even though you didn't fucking do one this past weekend. I forgot. That's okay. That's all right. (laughs) So thethunderunderground at gmail.com. Send us your submissions for Metal Chick Saturday. (laughs) Right? Yes. And also, if you uh, have a band, want us to hear your music, or know about you, whatever, send it there as well. If you... uh, have someone to suggest to us same thing we've also got t-shirts for sale koozies for sale that's right hit us up there we're on facebook at the thunder underground instagram youtube we've got some reaction videos to the two new metallica singles we've also got some more stuff on youtube coming as well that's separate from the soundcloud stuff so that's right you know subscribe to us there at the thunder underground check all that out as well they're not as lengthy as these podcasts they're like 10 to 20 minutes so Throw that in between your your time listening to this and the Nerdist. All right. You got anything else you want to say before I quit rambling about the Nerdist? (laughs) No, I think we're good. I think we're good. I have no more to add. All right. We had a good episode. Yeah, it was. Thanks again to Eric Kluber. Check out Iron Knot and Void Vader. And until next time. Thunder Underground, y'all.